So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to have kind of an elongated communion meditation, a discussion about what the table means, and particularly how Isaiah in Isaiah 6 sort of reflects what the table, what the table actually means. The writer Flannery O'Connor states, I think the church is the only thing that is going to make this terrible world we are coming to endurable. And then she goes on to say, and the only thing that makes the church endurable is the body of Christ, and on this we are fed. You cannot read Isaiah 6, and you can't read Isaiah 61 without coming to the understanding this is a risky thing. And out of Isaiah 6, I think there are four things in particular that talk about what this risk actually looks like. The first risk is this. At the table, we have a sense of God's presence. Remember what was read to us in the year that King Isaiah died? I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, and he was high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. We come to this table this morning fully expecting to experience the presence of the Lord. And so what I want to kind of talk about for a minute is what does that look like? What what have been your experiences as you have come to the table? What is it like to experience his presence? What should we be looking for as, as this moment happens? So uh, each and every week when we come together and meet at this table, at this moment in our service, the thing that comes up over and over again, you know, we ask people uh, to prepare meditation, to prepare thoughts, to pray for us as we come to this moment. And the thing that comes up over and over again is that we have to remind ourselves that this moment is all about Jesus, that in this moment we come to meet God in the flesh. Uh, And I love the story of Jesus because uh, the incarnation matters so much for us as a community of people, uh, that without Jesus, without him coming to be with us and among us, that this table loses a lot of significance. Uh, It's because of Jesus that at this moment, we actually get the opportunity that we get to meet with God face to face. Uh, And so this is a time every week that we gather that I just have to remember through all the craziness of this world, through, uh, you know, whether it's a vote uh, overseas or whether it's a vote here in our own country, whether it's uh, something going on in my own life, that at this moment, I am meeting God face to face. uh, And that that is is a holy moment for each and every one of us. What about for you, Hannah? How does this moment mean something to you, the presence of the Lord at the table? Yeah, I think for me, it's in two ways. The first kind of piggybacking off of what Jake said, I love how in this fellowship, We have different people every week who lead the meditation. And there's similar themes, but I love listening to my sisters and my brothers explain the Christian message in their own words. That always reminds me that God is here working in each of our lives, but we have this common bond. And the second way, I think, is just those little awkward moments that happen during communion. You know, sometimes a baby will cry or someone will sneeze or something funny will happen, like a tray will drop. And in the moment, it's so embarrassing Um, But it's really through being with others that I remember God is somehow here as well. Yeah, and I think when we actually have that experience of God being with us, through it, through the good things, the difficult things, 
the easy things and the hard things, it's easier for us to come to the second thing that Isaiah reminds us of. In Isaiah 6, 5, he says, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You cannot have that moment where you encounter God without having an understanding of your own sinfulness. And the fact that if the Lord is high and lifted up and his train really does fill the temple, I get to see myself in that perspective. And if I refuse to do that, I've missed something about it. So in, in a lot of the things we talk about, in a lot of the scripture we use, as we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where Paul talks about as we partake at the table, we examine ourselves. What does it mean for you all to have a conviction of sinfulness? Because that's what happens in that examination. What does that look like for you, Hannah? I don't know about you all, but I've heard a lot of communion meditations in my short life. Um, but one of the ones I remember is someone once said, you know, it wasn't those people that killed Jesus. It's us. And uh, even if we don't like to dwell on it, there's blood on the table. And there's this moment of realizing we didn't recognize love face to face. That's where we're at as people. I always have that moment, but um, it, it is easier knowing that we're there together, that it wasn't them, it's not just us, it's humanity. Every Sunday, the thing that I most want to do uh, when we come to the table is to embrace my sinfulness, uh, is to think about all the ways that I've messed up the past week, uh, to think about how much uh, I need God. Uh, and, and really, I don't like to dwell on my sin. Uh, that's, that's not true. Uh, but this moment, when we come to the table, there is a moment where we do have to wrestle with the things in our past, with the things that we've done, the ways that we've failed to love others well. Uh, and most often, I think that the attitude that we bring, and that I especially bring, uh, is that instead of embracing those moments uh, where we need grace, we most often want to push away from our sin. We want to say that our sin uh, is hidden, it's, it's in a dark corner somewhere, and we don't want to bring it into the light at this moment. Uh, we're at church. We're in a room full of people who are supposed to be uh, God-loving and God-honoring people. We're supposed to be uh, this group of people that show the world the right way to live, and yet we have this sinfulness within us that we have to come to grips with and wrestle with. And what the table reminds us is that although we are sinners, that God's grace is sufficient for all of us. Yeah, and I think that's the third thing that Isaiah talks about. I mean, he's very specific about really interjecting what God is willing to do in order to demonstrate his grace. In Isaiah 6, verses 6 and 7, he says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Is there anything more powerful than that moment? That as we come and we take our own symbols, a piece of unleavened bread which represents Jesus' body, and this fruit of the vine which represents his shed blood, 
those elements touch our lips. And as we partake of them, we are reminded your sin is atoned for. God in his infinite grace has prepared this moment, this opportunity, this event that we do week after week. And I think sometimes, like in a lot of things, it becomes a rote thing for us so much. And we don't really think about what God has done. How have you experienced God's grace? What's that been like for you as you've come to the table? Well, every... It's, sometimes it's difficult for us. Uh, what we do is we pass trays down aisles generally. Uh, today we're going to do it a little differently because what the table actually reminds us is that we get the opportunity to look across and see another person. And that's hard to do side to side. But at a table, that's a lot easier to look into the face of another person and to recognize their sinfulness and then to remember, oh, wait. That's reflected in me as well. I'm just as sinful, if not even more sinful, than the person seated across from me. And so when we gather at tables and get to look across face-to-face with one another, uh, it's a reminder that we are broken people, uh, that we are, it's not that I'm fixed and, and that we need to f- fix everyone else, but that we are all broken and we need God to be the one who fixes us. And the table reminds us of that moment, that it's a group of people who gather together who need God's grace. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I, I really like to think about this story. Um, why, why do we do this? Well, we do this because Jesus chose to eat dinner with some folks. And Jesus chose to eat with people who would betray him and deny him. And if that's not grace, I, I don't know what is. Um, but I think it is this balancing act, right? Because you have to embrace sin in order for grace not to be cheap. Yeah, and so there is this action that's required after this moment. You, you see this in Isaiah 6, and, 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 and you see the discussion that went on. Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then Isaiah speaking said, then I said, here I am, send me. One of the things I've loved doing through the years is walking around old church buildings and getting to experience what that is like and seeing some of the things that are carved on the doorways as you come in as well as carved on the doorways as you exit. And there is this this one thing that I have seen that reminds me of this moment because when I come to the table, I have inspiration to serve. That's what this is about. That's what it looks like. And, and over an, an old church building just outside of Nashville, there are these words, enter to worship, exit to serve. And by coming to this table, it is that reminder that I don't come here and stay here. I come here called to go out into the world and to use what Isaiah said, to be sent into the world. I volunteer to go into the world and make a kingdom difference as a result of what I have experienced at this table. So this series that we've been talking about, this idea of risking it, of drawing a circle around ourselves. Chuck said that this morning what we're going to do is we're going to draw that circle a little bit wider. We're going to draw that circle not just around ourselves, but around our community, around this church, around this fellowship. Uh, and what we do in that moment is that we actually experience and begin to understand that God's grace and what we do each week when we have communion is needed for all of us. Uh, but there's another side to the risk. 
Uh, we take an enormous risk in trusting God, but there's another side because God took an enormous risk to come and be among us. Uh, last week, if you were able to be with us, Chuck referenced uh, a wonderful series of books called The Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, many of you maybe may have read it as children or read it to your own children. Uh, and it's a wonderful story about this family who comes to a new world and encounters this Christ figure named Aslan. And when they're trying to understand who he is, and when they're trying to, to find out everything they can about him, Chuck mentioned this wonderful piece of the story where they ask if he's safe. And what you need to know about Aslan is he is a lion. Uh, he is most definitely not safe, but he's good. And that's what we need to come to realize about this God that we worship, that he may not be safe in the, you know, he's a lion. He's a roaring lion. He's dangerous, but he's good. And so when we think about the risk of God coming to be among us, uh, the risk of the incarnation, the risk of Jesus being a person in this world, it's a risk that God took to spend time with us, to offer grace to us, to try and be among us. Uh, in Bible classes this morning, we were talking about Hebrews chapter 4, and it's a, a wonderful passage of Scripture. And it ends with this wonderful note that Jesus is able to sympathize with us, even though he was without sin. Uh, Jesus has these experiences when he's a human that he can now relate to us, and yet He's totally other than we are. He's able to save us and to rescue us from our sin. And so when we come to the table and we begin to acknowledge who this God is, we have to think about the risk that God took. It was a pretty enormous risk to become a human being, to live among us, to act as we do, and yet to remain without sin. And God did that out of love for us. It's a big risk. It's a risk that I think that we need to think about and talk about. So what does the risk of God look like to you guys? Baxter Kruger is a fisherman, and he writes um, at night, and he says that Jesus became blind, just like us. Jesus experienced the fear, the darkness, the panic, the anxiety. For me, when I think about the risk it is for God to take on flesh and come and be with us, I always just think about, you know these other gods that we hear about in the Bible. But this is a God that I would follow, a God who comes and dwells among us and is blind, just like we are. It makes me, I think, want to serve even more because it's not this abstract God. It's a God who was dirty, who ate with people. And I think the other side to that equation is, yes, God came incarnate, and, and he took this incredible risk but here's the risk as we gather around this table we think about every week. Do I risk trusting him? Do I really believe that what he says is true and this piece of bread and this fruit of the vine actually means that he really does have me? That no matter what I've done and no matter how far off track I've come... Am I willing to trust him with everything and give myself completely to him? And so there's a dual risk that happens as we come around the table. So each week, uh, we already mentioned that we spend time uh, meditating, uh, inviting others to share the gospel in their own words with us. Uh, but we also do another very significant act, and that's that we pray. 
uh, this year, at the beginning of the year, we started off with 40 days of prayer. Uh, and we really tried to emphasize that this is such an important aspect of our life together as a church. And this morning, I want us to reemphasize that again, to think about that further. Because what we actually do, not only at the table, but through prayer, is that we encounter this God face to face. Uh, that we come to meet our God, our Savior, the one who saves us from our sin, who rescues us, who loves us. We get to meet him face to face in this moment. And so it, both taking the communion and praying uh, to God are both very important acts, very important symbols uh, for us meeting together with this God face to face. So talking about risk and expanding the circle, naturally we have to talk about the fact that we're all in here together taking communion as a body. And because of that, the person you sit next to may not look like you. They may not believe the same things that you do. And surprise, throughout Christian history, that's really been the same story. It's hard to really uh, solidify across denominations and fellowships what's happening in this do-this moment. But the one thing that we can mostly agree upon is that to commune alone would be an oxymoron. You can't take communion by yourself. You have to be with others. And so today, to really emphasize that, we are in for a real treat. Jake and Chuck are going to show off their um, critiquing skills of art. And we're going to look at a couple of depictions of what it looks like to be together in this moment. Do we have that those photos? That is a blank screen. Okay. It looks like we may be having some technical difficulties. So we have a couple of different pictures, um, but one of them was a group of people from another country who did not look the same. And they're all sitting together around this very round table, and they're just talking. And I think, was that the one Chuck picked out? Do you, want, do you remember what that looks like? Yeah. So there's a group of folks that are just having a conversation, but it didn't look like they belonged together. And I think that really is what communion is all about. When you have a group of people that sometimes don't look like they belong together, but we are together in this moment and that Christ is present in the midst of that. And I think that's an important thing for all of us to kind of consider and to think about. Yeah, so Jake picked out a picture that was a watercolor. And um, if I remember correctly, everyone's sort of laying down and they're listening very intently. Yeah, so it's this photo, and it's this wonderful photo because Jesus is in the center, and he's holding up this, this large bowl in front of them. And what I love about that is that it reminds us that the, the Last Supper was not just a, a small piece of bread and a small cup of juice. It was a meal. Uh, it was actually Jesus spending time with people together. Uh, it's funny because Rebecca and I, my wife, uh, we try to eat healthy. We really do. Uh, and it never works. Uh, we're always picking up fast food. We're always taking the easy way out. Uh, and, and so we often, people like, who do that often, maybe you're one of them, uh, when we do that, we actually lose out on the significance of what a meal means and how it matters. Spending the time together to prepare the food, spending the time together to enjoy it in conversation and, and around uh, a table. And so Jesus is lifting up this big bowl of food uh, and blessing it and offering it to the people around the table. Uh, and it reminds us that Jesus is the one who serves us the meal. And actually, Jesus is the one who offers himself as the meal. Uh, I loved Hannah's comment that in this moment, we, we come and we sit together around a table with other people, that you can't commune alone. 
Uh, and Jesus embodies this. In his last moment, the thing that was most important to him was not running away and hiding, but sitting around a table with his closest friends and followers and just communing with one another, having conversation. Uh, and even people who would betray him and deny him, he invited to that meal together. Yeah, and so today as we take that risk together, we're going to do things a little bit differently. And Jake's going to tell us about that. So you probably noticed that we took up the offering and we didn't pass communion. Uh, we've got a couple tables set up down front that we're going to serve communion to, today uh, to each one of us across the table from one another. Uh, and so we're going to release you row by row. We're gonna, we have a couple of ushers who are going to do that in just a few minutes uh, after Chuck kind of wraps us up and prays for us. Uh, but what we're going to ask you to do is, as your row is released, to come down the center aisle, come and be served the meal, uh, look across the table, see the person across the table from you, recognize that they are broken, just like you are, but that God's grace covers you both. And then after you eat your meal, you're welcome to, to go back on the outsides, back to your row. Uh, and as you do, we have a couple of tables set up at the breaks between the two sections. And we invite you to go to those tables. Uh, this is something that is uh, very important to us. We want to offer another avenue for prayer. Uh, we're going to do this regularly, uh, that we're just going to invite people to go to these tables and write down prayer requests. We have people who have committed to praying for these throughout the week. Uh, you don't have to write your name. You can leave it anonymous. Uh, and we're just going to be in prayer for one another throughout the week. We think that's so important that at this moment, when we come together to commune with one another, that we not only get to look across and see each other face to face, but that we get to pray with and for one another. And so we invite you in just a few moments to come uh, for communion. If you are unable to come forward, we have people who are going to come and serve uh, you where you are. So if you would just get their attention, raise your hand, uh, and they'd be happy to come and serve you where you're at as Chuck concludes us. So let's, um, as our servers come and prepare, let's pray together. Father, thank you for this moment that is holy. And thank you for this moment that is meaningful. And thank you, Father, for what you continuously do for us and with us and through us. And thank you that we have this opportunity to come and to look at each other across the table, one from another, to understand that you are here with us and that we have the opportunity to identify with our sin, your grace, and the, and the fact that you call us to deeper and more powerful service to you. So, Father, as we partake of this bread, which represents your body, and this fruit of the vine, which represents your shed blood, may we remember that we are proclaiming your death and resurrection until you come. In Jesus' name, amen.
is our God. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great. Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are still, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand, in Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless days. This gift of love and righteousness Scored by the ones He came to save Till on that cross has Jesus died The wrath of God was satisfied For every sin on Him was laid here in the death of Christ I live, there in the ground His body lay, light of the world by darkness lay. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave He rose again. And as he stands for victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me, from life's first cry to final breath. Jesus commands my destiny, no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Till he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ I stand.
till he returns or calls me home here in the love of Christ I stand you are my strength when I am weak you are the treasure that I seek you are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel, Lord, to give up, I'd be a fool. You are my all in all. Taking my sin, my cross, my shame, rising again, I bless your name. You are my all in all. When I fall down, you pick me up. When I am dry, you fill my cup. You are my all in all. Jesus, Lamb of God, stand together. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your of the table, where those of us who are sinful, broken, and sometimes hopeless encounter the one who is redeemed and sanctified and sitting at the right hand of God. It is the risk of the table where you look into your eyes of your brother and your sister and you say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. This is the blood of Jesus shed for you. And you have that moment of identification. This is the risk of worship. That we are called not just to draw circles around ourselves and to isolate and ask God to change us. But we are called to draw circles around our communities of faith and ask God to use us for kingdom business. This is the risk of the gospel. And this is the mission of the church. Go in peace.